Hello and welcome to Fang and Round. This is episode uh, 28, I think. All right, I've lost the show. It's tw- episode 28, recording this on the 5th of November 2012. I'm James and I'm joined by, across from me, Fred. And on the internets, Campbell. Campbell, what have you been consuming this week? Been working my way through Breaking Bad season two. Is it good? Um, you know, there's a bit more bad breaking in it, which is pretty cool. Um, I think the first season's quite short, isn't it? Because they cut short by the strike. Don't know. Yeah, from memory, I can't. Sorry. Yeah, I mean, five uh, uh, I liked it. I'm liking it. I'm up to the last episode, so. Maybe after tonight's show, I'm going to watch the last episode, and uh, it's kind of a, it's kind of a frustrating show to watch because I keep waiting. For, I just want him to be like doing bad things, and he doesn't do much bad things, and he just sort of stuffs a lot of things up. Oh, so it's a bit frustrating for me. Well, it's 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 sort of yeah, it's pretty like six years later, we're up to what I'm up to. The actual story is only six months ahead of you know where it started on the first season. But. Are you serious? Yeah. So, it sort of picks up immediately after... Each season picks up immediately where the last one ended. There's rarely, like, gaps oh. in time. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, it's super compressed. Um, or not compressed, rather. Uncompressed. Um, but I'm enjoying it. It's just sort of... I think it continues to sort of... Um, defy my expectations about what's going to happen in it in a good way. Yeah. Like, I think the writers consciously are doing a lot of like, hey, you imagine this was going to happen, but we're going to do this. Like twists? No, not like dramatic over the top, though, like really kind of mundane. Okay. So, you're like, you think this is going to be like a huge deal or something, but it's not. But it's all sort of about consequences, like everything they do kind of keeps getting referenced and pops up in crappy little ways, but Hmm. like it keeps biting them, but in little ways that keep building up to big things happening. I don't know. Does that make any sense? Yeah. Yeah. It's like the butterfly effect, like little things. Yeah. Yeah. Keep tripping them up and um, yeah, it's cool. But it's definitely sort of a lot quieter than I imagined it would be. Yeah, that, you know, There's I thought it'd be a lot, a lot of... more over the top and confrontational and dramatic, and it's not. It's kind of quite understated. Yeah, there's sort of like these big impact moments, but then in between's like just the build up between, you know, um, there'll be like three episodes of build up to like you know a three minute scene that's just like, you know, is brutal, you know, uh, whatever. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's pretty good. So I've been checking that out. Breaking Bad. I don't know. Have people heard of it? Is it popular? It's pretty popular. It was a couple of years ago. Oh, I'm way behind Whoa. the curve in everything, so it's just popular in my world now. You've started watching as well? No. I'm planning on though. Uh, you won't like it because it's science in it. It's chemistry. I don't know anything about chemistry, so I can't Well, there's hardly any science. In I can't be totally down on their chemistry. Um what have you been consuming, Fred? Um, not a lot, really. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately. 
I went and saw Killing Them Softly um, by Andrew Dominic. Um, uh, Brendan talked about seeing it last week. Um, he's the guy who did Chopper and Assassination of Jesse James by the Picard Robert Ford. And that was pretty cool. It was it was kind of like an American version of Chopper. Um, so, I, I liked what they did. How can you have an American version of Chopper? It's pretty quintessentially Australian. Yeah, so this is this is sort of like just think of like the guy who, and, and th- this is a problem is it's not subtle about it at all. But it's the guy who made Chopper going to America, seeing sort of the crime world through his eyes there, and making a movie about that. And it it you know it references a lot of the stuff that concerns us how there is, you know, America, you know, with its lack of, you know, public health care and everything like that and relying on tipping and stuff like that for wages. It's sort of like there's no safety net in America. You just perform or you die, basically. And that's... He's basically made a crime film with that theme in mind, how the crime industry is so similar... is... um you know, very, operates very similarly to the rest of America where you, you perform or you die and uh, um, and you try and take advantage of certain things and to get money. So, over money. here, like, the criminal organisations mm. tend to have sort of a welfare system yeah. within them. So, even if a petty criminal kind of isn't very successful, the others will sort of will chip in to yeah. help him pay his rent and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's it, a lot more equitable. Yeah, tax break. And unionised over here. Yeah, there's a minimum criminal wage... So if you're um, doing crime, you have to yeah. make at least a certain amount per robbery. Well, that's right. Um, yeah. So yeah, that's it, and it's you know the, it's all it's set um, during the last presidential campaign where Obama's going for office for the first time. So that's very much in your face um, for the whole the whole that's sort of the backdrop of it all. So it's a bit of a period piece. Yeah. Uh, and I guess it's since they've released it just before this election, it's a comment on, you know, this camp coming campaign. And um, Who are you guys predicting? Who will win? This election? Yeah. Uh, I mean, I would have thought Obama would win easily, but then this, this whole thing they're trying to do by this voter ID thing they're doing by specifically targeting, targeting certain groups that won't are unlikely to have... ID to eliminate them from voting, which they think will be voting for Obama. Yeah. And it's basically all these swing states that have Republicans in power that who are allowing the system to go through. Um, it doesn't seem to be about wiping out voter fraud at all. It's more about... Yep. Just So that could have a big effect if it, if it... You know, not all states are doing it, but if it's happening in the swing states, you know. Um, it's pretty terrifying to think that Romney... Even has a chance, yeah. and yeah. he has more than a chance. So, but George yeah. Bush got in for four years, so to eight years. Yeah. So he was as bad as Romney. So, hmm. um, now got killing them softly. Right is produced by Megan Ellison. Do you know who Megan Ellison is? I do not. Um, she's born nineteen eighty six, so she's two years younger than us. She's producing films and she's two years younger than right, us. Right, well, okay. You don't recognise the name? She's Larry Ellison's daughter. I don't you know, know him? I He's don't. like next to Richard Branson, the second coolest billionaire. Um, 
you know, he owns islands, he funds America's, all America's, America's Cup campaigns and builds super advanced yachts and stuff like that. He was Steve Jobs' so, best friend. So, her fun- having funding films is kind of a drop in the ocean, right? It's like pocket money for her. Right. Well, that's happened. She, she sort of came out and decided she was interested in making films and um, uh, I think she did it, you know, went to film school or whatever and basically she saw some success with her independent stuff and her dad was like, hey, do you want some money to go out and do cool stuff? And basically, she went out and um, she's like, what are the coolest filmmakers around? Let's make those movies. So, she's funding the Coen brothers. She's funding Paul Thomas Anderson with The Master. She's funding Andrew Dominic with Killing Them Softly. Um, Spike Jones. She's funding, producing the next Spike Jones and Charlie Corfin um, team up. Um, Catherine, you know, Catherine Bigelow with The Hurt Locker and um, Zero and Dark Juice 30. Bigelow 3. Yeah. So they make a Juice Bigelow too. Yeah, it was um, European, va- <laughs> like European Lawless, Vacation. Or Lawless, who we talked about last week, she produced that as well. Lucy Lawless. She's producing no, Lucy Lawless. No, the movie oh. Lawless. It's uh, directed by Australian John Hillcote. Um, basically, she's just being awesome. That's um, what you can do if you have... So, I'm glad someone who's rich is doing something awesome. So, I wanted to give mad props to Megan Ellison for being the coolest producer in town. PS, fund my next film. Yeah. Fund the podcast. Fund the fanging around, yeah. We'll change the world. Um, hot tip on the cool new show. Have you guys been checking out any new shows this year, this season? Like what? No? no. Ben and Kate. Has Zoe been watching that? No. no that's the new hot tip for a Is that those that. two fat people? No. It's Is that that brother one and sister. Hugh Jackman and he's a time traveller from oh, like I w- 16th rewatched century that the other day. Yeah. England or something? No. Um, I rewatched that recently. It's quite a weird film. I watched Carrie. What's that? Talk to Carrie about it. It's like a 1976 horror film by Stephen King. Mm-hmm. You seen it? Directed by Stephen King or written? Written by Stephen King. Yeah. It was no. based on one of his novels. On his first no, I've novel. heard about it, but I, don't, I haven't seen it. No one's seen it. It's a new one. Did you do that for Halloween? Yeah. It was very weird. It was 70s. Everyone's getting naked and there's lots of below-the-belt shots. Titillating? Titillating. Lots of bush. All <laughs> varieties. All <laughs> oh, right. Oh, was this? And it's got a scene where it's got a f- it's got a fast forward in it, and lots of zoom. <laughs> what? Lots of zoom, and it's got a scene where they actually fast forward for like a few seconds. And is it? Do you explained? think that was the Australian censor board? No, it's like a sort of a a completely out of left field comedy bit. Hmm. Oh. A little, it's like a montage. They are trying on suits, and there's like a little bit of a, like maybe three seconds of fast forward. Is it a bit uh, Benny Hill? Yeah, it's trying to be like, I don't understand why they do that. But I don't know <laughs> film too well, so. So it was very weird. Apparently they're remaking it. I have heard that's With funny. someone, I don't remember who. I don't know any names in cinema. I think it was Kim Kardashian. Yeah. There's a video of Kim Kardashian's sister having giving birth to a girl. Did you see that? No. What? Like a f- the full on? No, it's sort of looking down and she just, she actually pulls, they let her pull the baby out herself. So she's leaning down, sort of. What? Do they do that now? 
I don't know. I guess it's one of the... Do they do what now? You're the resident baby expert, Campbell. By do de- they let you by pull default. your own baby out? Is that a thing now that you should do? Uh, I don't know if it's something you should do. I'm sure it's something that if you're able to do, you could do. Hmm. There was a um, there was a woman, a female surgeon, who um, who I think C-sectioned her own baby. Hmm. Brutal. Why? Yeah. Well, she was just like, I think she was like an obstetrician or whatever, and that's what she did. Hmm. She and so she was just like, it. I'm gonna do it. That doesn't. And they were like, like okay, we'll idea. have some support stuff in case you like freak out, but. What's that happens? All the doctors down in Antarctica, they have to do surgery themselves. I think there's been a few cases. Tony pulled out of their own appendix. Hmm. Some badass Russian dude. Uh, Chloe Moretz, the girl from Kick-Ass, is going to be the next character. Oh, yeah. Really? Um, yeah. Um, I went and saw Perth Arena. Went oh, line. yeah. So, the, went to the so ugly. <laughs> what was it like inside? Still it, it is... Super dark. It is, uh, well, I mean, it's been so long since I've been to Perth Entertainment Centre, so my sense of scale is probably all skewed, but it just seems like Perth Entertainment Centre 2.0, like, it is. That's what it is, isn't it? It is that. That's what it's supposed to be. And it is, because it's the same. Yeah, but it's meant to be designed for, you know, tennis as well. It's meant to be a tennis team, but it's like. Way too big for the tennis stadium. Tennis stadium's got a little, this little dot in the middle of this huge stadium. Doesn't matter. Jam like fifty thousand people. And it, it, it's designed specifically. It seems to be designed specifically mine, um, despite being sort of meant to be for the Hot Macarp and the Wildcats. It seems to be designed specifically mine for just indoor concerts. Um, but then they've put a a, a a retractable roof on. So if it's outdoors, you can like get some fresh air and you know scrape what you like. Well, surely look at the stars. in Perth, you're doing an outdoor concert. You would want to have it, you know, at one of our amazing outdoor venues. Like know? what? Like Belvoir, what, like the, Perth, the new Perth Arena, right? When nah. you think outdoor concert, you think yeah, but isn't Belvoir yeah, like, like a it's million not a, miles? And away? the thing is, the roof, the room, the bit that opens is only like. It's probably not even two thirds of the roof that opens. It's maybe only half, fifty percent. Well, just of the roof. to get some fresh air in the joint. It's full of but like what, eighty thousand sweaty, sh- sweaty fans. It's going to be cast big shadows, and it'll be make things hard to see. And you wouldn't you just want it closed and have a proper light show going on? You can have both. You can shoot a laser just off it to infinity. I, think I don't think the, the crowd can even see. I guess if they're on the floor, they can see. It's the butt ugliest thing I've ever seen, and I already hate it. You were, you were defending it before, James. Now you've been there. You were a little quieter. So that I oh, when was that I defending it? I said it was just better than the convention center, which is just so mediocre. Yeah, but this is like this is they actually went out and tried to do something. It's yeah, but they totally failed. So maybe mediocre right. would be the best. But shot. mainly, you know, the only thing that's ugly about it is that whole blue theme they're trying to go with. Everything else, I would think, is good. Triangles? No, the blue thing. Like they've got that. Yeah, but what's their other the thing? Angular and triangular. It's horrible. Yeah, but they yeah, wanna, think, they're trying to create interesting shapes. The, uh, As you're walking around the, you know, the wings, every sort of room you go into is a completely different shape, and it's kind of interesting. You know. Yeah, I think the main problem I have really is the cladding. Yeah, it's like that they've chosen. It's so obnoxious. It's um, just so cheap. That, and the piping. Yeah, it's all just. Is that like cheap. white weird PVC piping they've yeah, just stuck on the outside? Yeah. Um, 
think if it wasn't for those two, it's still not finished either. Long. Like some bits haven't been clad. I'm just how hard is it to get it clad? Like you've been building yeah, I know six years. some bits that look like they were still working on it. Um, I think inside was just so dirty. Like they're gonna have to clean all the inside because like all the interior paneling was just covered in dust, and you can see workmen's footprints on the walls. And so why were you there? What yeah. was the thing that was on? Well, that- they're doing it. I guess because what Elton John's coming next week Elton. to open it officially. Yeah. They're doing a test concert to test out sound systems, so they had free tickets to this thing. What, who was playing? I was just some local bands and um, a, a Draft. Do you know Draft? Apparently they're hip-hop. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, I, I couldn't bear it. I, I, I got about halfway through and I was like, I'm going home. It's just... It's yeah. such a... I mean, I hate sort of... I hate live music that involves people on a stage and people staring at <laughs> <laughs> What's the other kind of live music where everybody turns their back and they just play? Yeah, or you just you just it's just part of the atmosphere and you just enjoy it. Oh, okay. so like, and you interact with the people around you rather than just staring at the stage. So your ideal concerts like cocktails with a yeah nice band playing. Yeah, yeah, that's great live music. I can't stand <laughs> it. Like it's terrible, and I can't get over like how I think the the most stagnant art form in the world is. Um, <laughs> Anything that involves an electric guitar. It's just people standing on stage strumming guitar going, oh, yeah, I'm awesome. I'm like, you know, the, the Beatles and Led Zeppelin perfected that, you know, 40 years ago. Get over it. Let's move on, you know? It's like me saying, oh, anybody who's just putting things something on a camera. They've been done. Yeah, but it's you do done. say that, Fred. You say you don't like cinema. Yeah. But that's, that's fair that's criticism. I'm over it. It's not because I've seen it all. It's just because... But that's people... Do, they, I, it's just... It, the, and this indoor theatre is just all echoey. You can't hear the lyrics or anything like that. It's just I terrible. They would have built it for better sound. No, because it's it's trying to be all these things at once, I'm sure. I don't know whether it's possible some, a venue that huge to have good... Sure it is. I'm sure if you design it... Do you think it, that well, if they put this all uh, over the walls... I was listening to this... stuff uh, I'm pointing to, David Byrne from The Talking Heads. He, I think it was a TED talk he gave. It might not have been. Hmm. And he was talking about the history of music hmm. and how the history of music is directly linked to the the history of venues and the spaces that the music was created to fill. Hmm. And he sort of gave this this compressed history of, you know, you know, music during this period was created for this sort of spaces, mm. therefore it had this sort of acoustic properties and so on and so forth. And chamber music was called chamber music because it was performed in chambers and so you had small bands and they did this. And then, you know, Beethoven was writing music for this space and um, so his music had lots of this. And then you're saying, you know, the clubs, you know, or live punk venues would tended to be these sorts of spaces. And he was going on and on and, you know, and um, now there's lots of music that's written primarily for people to listen to in their cars in a sound, with a sound system mm. in their cars and or in a club which is like this and then he was saying you know lots of bands like the, the huge huge bands like U2 and stuff that started out in clubs and or pubs rather performing these sorts of songs then build their way up to becoming like stadium bands that only mm. play stadiums that have like the worst acoustic properties in the world yeah. for any venue so you have to write music that like sounds like this sort of a sound no and way because it's not like you two writes their music in a stadium how do you know <laughs> well, <laughs> kind of they can afford to hire one out you still not, write it short of stadiums in Europe to hire out during the week it <laughs> um, but you know I, I, I guess we'll get into this a bit later but 
you know, I just feel that about Star Wars, you know, especially the prequels, and they are a deeply, deeply flawed movies, right? But the thing is, when people came out of the theatre, people loved them. I never heard someone complain. The the bad reviews and stuff, it got got reviews on... Talking about Rotten the prequels? Tomatoes. Yeah, the prequels. It wasn't until they came out on DVD where people brought them home and started watching them on their crappy small TVs with their DVD players that people started ripping into them and going, oh, this is crap, this is crap, this is crap. Because that's not... George Lucas, true, you know, he film designed it specifically to what the big screen experience... Um, and and I, I honestly don't... I remember walking out of the Star Wars films at the cinema and people were just buzzing about it, going, oh, this is awesome, this is great entertainment and stuff like that, you know. I uh, don't think that's true. It is true. What, you heard people whinging? People were like, yeah, that was pretty good, that was pretty good, that was pretty good, because they didn't want to admit to themselves that it was crap. And then they got home and they went, oh, actually, that was a bit shit. What? No, after they saw the DVDs. Because the backlash nah. didn't come until the DVDs and stuff like that. Nah, I don't think that's true. I think it was bombed. No, from the people. Start. So you hate it in cinema, but you don't like Star Wars. So not really. You're not really good. And he doesn't like cinema. Fashion. I hate cinema yeah. as well. Um, it's the most stagnant of all the arts. <laughs> <laughs> so you think electric guitars are really, you know, the, the electric guitar and a, a drum kit's just pushing the art form forward? I don't think it's pushing it any further forward than a than a film in terms of rate of pushing forward. But you, you can go to different films and have different experiences. Every I mean, different bands and have different experiences. No, you don't. I mean, you might when you get a really good performer. You know how I experience music. <laughs> Tell me from a twi- what what bands have you gone to see where you like had just radically different experiences and emotions? Well, I don't know. I haven't seen that many guitar-based bands. Right. It's because I don't really listen to well, guitar. So, you, you haven't really thought your like... opinion through that. No, because, well, I just haven't seen that many guitar music. It's just... It's I like just saying people with people keyboards would... are just like, well, this is stagnant. I wish people would just go back to acoustic, you know, like, there was there was this girl that I wanted to do, get to do a... Um... <laughs> <laughs> no, I think, I think nah, what you said the Freudian first time was right, James. Girl, I want to do, yeah. Um, uh, there's this uh, like soundtrack or you know a score for um, uh, a short film that I wanted to make, and because I wanted to do a musical, like I've always wanted to do a musical, and I wanted to do the, the music for it. And, and the reason I I was after her is because I saw her post videos of her um playing guitar on YouTube just in front of her webcam like on a MacBook you know and just uploading it straight to YouTube just completely raw and just amazing beautiful so simple and I was just like that's exactly what I want and um she had you know she had announced like on her Twitter feed saying that oh, I I've got my first like album I've got it done recorded professionally and sort of hyping it up and I'd you know I actually pre-ordered it on iTunes and I got it and it's just there's none of that. It's all produced. It's all like electronic or using electric guitars and stuff like that. It's just, it, it just, everything, it just seems so um, flat and mediocre. There's none of the dynamicness of just, just her in front of the the MacBook with a crappy microphone, which is, is way more compelling than whatever the thousands she spent getting that al- album recorded. What about like live albums? Well, it depends. Are they just sitting there just jamming on their guitars going, yeah, 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 and you can't hear the lyrics or anything like that? No. I don't know. It depends which live album. 
Yeah, I think live albums tend to be a bit of a conceit, don't they? What do you mean by There's so much post-work that tends to go into it. It's like, what is actually a live album? And they, and they don't really get taken seriously by music, but the best concert I've ever seen, which I wasn't at, was that Tenacious <laughs> D. We got the DVD for and it's just two of them with acoustic cars just rocking harder than I've ever seen any band do. And they were just all acoustic. It wasn't acoustic. They would have been, oh, I guess that would be amplified, but they're not electric. Yeah, but there's yeah. no there's no drum kit, there's no bass, or it's just those two just rocking out. And it was amazing to me. Isn't that just a, a, a testament to Tenacious D and not necessarily no, guitar-based I, I, I think it's it, the electric guitars just become such a crutch to musicians. I think it's awful. Yeah. Could you ban drums as well? Well, you can't ban anything. People do it want. I just wish people would. I, I mean, I, there are plenty of people out there doing their own thing, and I like it more. I just hate how these electric band groups can charge hundreds of dollars for tickets for co- these concerts that are just so mediocre, you know? Like, the people who go to, like, those day concerts, and it's just people jamming. It's just an excuse to get on drugs and stuff like that. It's just, I don't, know. I don't think... <laughs> Thanks, Granddad Pontifex. Yeah, everyone should just... I know. I just feel this is where I feel like I am completely alone. I never felt more alone than I was in Perth Arena there. Why just did you... Because going- the tickets are free. You thought you'd go and see music no, you don't like. I didn't know what the music was like. I just wanted to go see the joint. And I was just sitting there going, that I, I'm sure these are great bands, but it's just... It's something. It's not something... It was just a revelation that time. That was just one example of it. I'm just like... Why do other people... I feel like people just like it just to say they've liked it. Like, they get the like on their Facebook page and it makes them feel better. <laughs> they don't actually feel that attached to it at all. To the music? Yeah, it's just like a a, a, a patch on their thing, like a label on your, your clothing, you know? Yeah, you're right. You've totally busted the music industry. Everyone just Uh-oh. does it to get a like on their Facebook page. Oh, Holy shit. <laughs> Anyway, it's never going to learn. Like, I, I, like, you know, my my best friend who's not on the, on the, the, the podcast, Alex is, you know, in a rock band. He's trying to be a rock band. I know, I wasn't going to bring him up. Yeah, I wasn't going to either. And he's, I love hearing him do acoustic. Like, the best stuff I've seen him play was it was just him on the piano or acoustic guitar just jamming with someone else. And it's just so much better. And then, um... You know, he does some interesting stuff on the actual recordings, but the you go to a live show and I just feel like it's it's just, you know, let's just play through the tracks and get it over and done with sometimes, you know. I don't know what you're talking about. Wow. I feel wish he, he would anyway, I just and that's up to him. I'm sure people go, oh, I wish you did this with your movies and didn't do all this weird stuff. That's the same thing. It's just this whole direction that is being maintained, like with that air, that genre of music it just feels rock and roll. Yeah. Saying it's pretty much done. No, I mean there's people out there, I, you know, doing cool stuff. But there's just so many people just like, yeah, I just want to play electric guitar. Yeah, man. Yeah, but that's like most things. Most ninety nine percent of everything's crap. Hmm. <laughs> this is honestly ninety nine percent of everything. One of my many rants. Crap. Um, follow up. We got some huge follow up. Uh, uh, a while back, we started a campaign to get Jacinta Del Hayes, astrophysicist, on the podcast. She finally got back in touch with us. Um, this is what she said. Um, hey, guys. 
So, I heard your podcast. Not going to lie, a little bit creepy. <laughs> but you have my attention. P.S. Who is Fred? That hurts. <laughs> what? I thought you guys were friends. Uh, well, I explain. And she says, acquaint- oh, that Fred. Acquaintances. Maybe. And then she gets a bit devo because this is the quote she picked out of Fred. She said, he apparently he said in the podcast, why don't you get a different scientist? <laughs> so, she's a bit cut that Fred doesn't think much of her. Um, That's going to be awkward in the workplace tomorrow. <laughs> I don't see her every day. Anyway, just in a weird totally well, love you. you uh, she's just got a new article written about her on the Herald Sun. Um, oh my this god! Entitled Jacinta Del Hayes' Big Bang Theory. Um, what? <gasps> uh, and it says Jacinta Del Hayes is a time traveler. The 25-year-old astrophysicist from Manjo uses the world's biggest radio telescopes to look back in time to decipher how life started after the Big Bang. So, I am pretty excited to have her on the show. I hope she will. I know Fred's trying his best to creep her out. Um, no, I'm trying to not creep her you out. You are creeping out. You just wrote. You literally wrote to her. You totally... Yep. Uh, you're right. The podcast is a bit creepy. Hence my lack of enthusiasm to getting you on it. The science is dubious at best. What, well, your science? <laughs> all true. No. Is that what Fred wrote? Yeah. <laughs> You know whose fault that is. Your fault. That's why we want to replace you with Jacinta. Oh, get some see, real, you admit get some it. Real. We want some real science on none of your dubious science that you're providing. You admit <sighs> to providing to the show. Um, no, I mean the science aspect of it is dubious at best. So you are trying to replace me. You're going you to Colorado. I knew it. Yeah, but I thought everything would just shut down when I'm not here. Is that How discussion we're going to have? No, I don't care. What you, I'll probably occasionally Skype in. And we can. So we're gonna have like three people. When are you going to Mexico, Campbell? I don't know. Next year, at some point. It's not f- or Tasmania. When are you going? Thinking of going to Tasmania as well. Oh, that that'll be after uh, Tasmania. Um. So hold on. <laughs> Is she a little bit more specific about what she found creepy? That's a good question, well, Campbell. Well, because instead of. Because instead of Fred doing the right thing and just approaching a person to person at you to and say, Hold "Hey, on, how, how are you? <laughs> hey, we'd like to. How I'd like you to have pulling this off. To yeah, how, I didn't. This is why don't you just? That's what I asked you to do, Fred. You were like, no way. I don't know it that well. She didn't know which Fred I was talking about on the podcast. You don't have to know. You're asking. It's just this. Uh, do you think any show that wants to get you know like Brad Pitt on the show, they have to know him to get him? Or no, they call him, they get him his agent. I don't think she has an agent. If she had an agent. We can get in touch with her, and then say, hey, let's come on the podcast. You know, we want to chat to you about astrophysics and stuff like that. So Fred didn't do that. So uh, <laughs> that we, I just cut out a little segment of the podcast where we want. I, I, I declared my campaign to get her on the show, and she listened to that. And Fred was like, oh. Do we have to have her on? And that's probably just creeped Jacinda out. But Jacinda, don't listen to Fred. We really want you on. We want to see how you're a time traveller, um, what you're up to. Um, we think you'll be, you'll be the the best guest that actually has replied to any of my attempts to get on other than Brendan last week. So. <laughs> it's pretty harsh to Brendan. No, that's not harsh to Brendan. I've asked other people to come on. It's hard to get them on. Other... What other astrophysicists. Uh, other follow-up. Um, on one of the previous podcasts, we were wondering about Aston Martins and the new James Bond film. 
Oh, yep. Um, the newest Aston Martin is the 177, which is apparently they only made 77 of them. But actually, the DB5 is the one they're going to use. In the, the classic DB5 is the one they're using in Skyfall. I don't know if that... I don't know if that would be the only one. Um, and i also put a link in the show notes to this cool article where Paul C- McCartney is selling his 1964 Aston Martin DB5 and it looks pretty sweet. Um, I think it did sell. I think they've sold it. The Aston Paul McCartney? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Also, they did this, they've did this. they got this partnership with Toyota, I think, to make this car called a Signet. Have you seen this? The Aston yeah. Martin Signet? Yeah, I have seen Isn't it. Isn't it just super stupid? It's a Toyota, it's Q- Toyota IQ. IQ with a different they've... badge, so isn't it just the same? Uh, well, one of the reasons why they brought it out was to meet carbon emissions regulations for the European Union. I think it was the European Union. So, because, like, car manufacturers over their entire range have to meet a certain... Oh, really? ...carbon allowance. So, obviously, all the other Aston Martins are, like, supercars. And then they have one that's, that's like, super, super fuel economical, so it all balances out. That's such a waste of time. Yep. But to get an Aston Martin Signet, you have to actually own an Aston Martin. Do you get it free with an Aston Martin? No, no. And it's quite expensive. But they sold out of them, like, as soon as they were offered. They've even, like, kind of made the hood look like a... Yeah, I'm not sure what the deal is with them currently. That's... But, um, yeah, they sold out of them. They're sort of like little uh, town cars. That's so stupid. I wouldn't if I saw that on the street without having read this article. I'd think, "What an idiot! He's put an Austin Martin badge on, like <laughs> this crappy little Toyota thing." Yeah, but guess what's crazy that they're talking about doing now? What? What are these rumors pl- that Aston Martin's going to do a limited run of the Signets fitted with their V12? Really? <laughs> <laughs> because it actually fits in the in the engine bay. Wouldn't that just be sort of almost dangerous? Yeah. Have you seen the Top Gear episodes where they all get cool? souped up hatches and go around Europe? Uh, do you, do you want to signet now? Like if it had a V12 in it? Wouldn't that defeat the emission thing? <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, I don't know. Can't they come out with like a car that's like the size of a shoebox or like a little moped, like a 20cc moped to get around these emissions stuff? Yeah, I don't know. Ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. Well, I guess with the Signet, they didn't have to do any engineering or yeah, anything. Yeah, I suppose they just... They just, like, stuck their badge on it, threw a whole bunch of nice leather in there, and just called it a day. Yeah. So, that was probably their main thing. But, um, yeah, it's kind of funny. And that's the only reason it exists. It's not, like, a... It's not for anything else. Bureaucracy gone mad. But then I guess you do get a weird little car out of it, so... Yeah, well, if they make that V12 version, that'd be crazy. <laughs> Did you guys ever see the Nissan Juke GTR, I think it was? No. I want to look that up now. Because, you know, the Nissan GTR, which is like this kind of... Yeah. Well, the Nissan Juke is like a mini... I guess it's like a mini four-wheel drive that Nissan made. And then apparently some of the engineers were like, oh, we could fit like the gtr like engine in there and they did it in private apparently and then we're like holy crap we've made this incredible like tiny car that's like absolutely mental and i think they made like a limit wound up making a limited run of like 50 of them or something and they all cost more than an actual nissan gtr (laughs) and it's just yeah my mom has like a nissan murano 
they're like a little four oh, yeah. drive thing and they're pretty nice to drive. Yeah, this Duke is like smaller than that. <laughs> it looks weird. Yeah, I don't think it's a very nice looking car. Uh, listener mail. Um, Ryan uh, on Facebook. Um, I think he's from Tasmania. Uh, just sent us this little note to keep Tasmanian. us chipper. He says, recently discovered your podcast. Enjoying it greatly. Keep up the good work, boys. So Thanks. Thanks, Ryan, thanks, Ryan. for your positive support. If you want us to email us, whatever you want to say, you can do that mailbag at fangaround.com or just go to listen to mail segment on fangaround.com and there are various options to get in touch with us. All sorts cool. of ways. Cool. Is that it for listen to mail? Yeah, that's it. Well, that yeah. and just into our eyes saying... Oh yeah, that was pretty stop, big. Stop. I can't. I'm interested to come on your show, but then Fred's like, um, <laughs> "Why? Yeah, let's. You know, I'm going to be all creepy and say that this show is creepy." Well, like I said before, James, it's either got to be Perth's most offensive podcast or not. You, I'm not. you can't invite people on to Perth's most offensive podcast unaware of its true your true intentions. Right. Well, why don't you say it can be a bit offensive sometimes, or just say <laughs> it's a bit? <laughs> why say mean? creepy? I oh, creepy. I'm not the one who said called it creepy. Jacinda called it creepy. But then you confirmed Sorry, you can't, it. You can't. You can't. Well, I think it is creepy. How is it creepy? Perth's most offensive. Do you think Brandon was creeped out? A bit offensive. Uh, there's two questions at once. Then. Can I didn't have a question. Oh, Mine was a statement. Do James I think Brandon said- was creeped out? No. He's less likely. I've to had be plenty creeped. of other guests come to Jimmy's Femme here, and they haven't been creeped out. Right. Oh, yeah, Fred, you're the um, variable here. <laughs> well, maybe yeah, my eye creeped her out then. Who knows? Next time I see her, I'll ask her. Find what are you going to ask her? Were you creeped out by me? Which bit creeped you out? <laughs> oh. And then she'll go, who are you? Yeah. I'll be sad again. Who's the worst, besides bullying, the worst person on Twitter? Oh, I don't know if we want to get into that, but I was like, you, we were thinking about who who should we cyberbully on a previous <laughs> like, podcast. I've, I've picked, back into the creepiness, like... I've picked someone out. Um, <laughs> just need to don't listen to this particular thing. Um, so you've picked someone out. This is one of these people that's on Twitter purely to watch tweet on Quanda and then spout their sort of, you know... Their sort of rubbish, like, trying to justify... Um, you know, all sorts of things. You know, it doesn't matter. It's just terrible. Watch out! This we won't name her just in case we do decide to cyber bully her later, <laughs> but not in the creepy way. In a professional. No, way. We could just get our fans to just tell her what's happening. You know, use the the fanging around <laughs> army. To, uh, <laughs> us three, and maybe, and then they'll block. Brand. They'll block Sprint. us, and then that'll be the end of it. Um, anyway, it's just entertaining to read her Twitter feed. Very entertaining. And she's Actually, from Perth. I did watch two new shows. Sorry. Which two new shows? I watched Redfern. Did you guys see that? Redfern yeah. Now? Nope. That was on SBS. That was totally awesome. I think it's going to be a six-part series of all different stories set in Redfern, um, Australia. And then I oh, also I think watched, I, sort of I, think, I think, what's it called? Uh, a Moody Christmas or a Very Moody Christmas or something? With Hank Moody? And that looks, sorry? With Hank Moody? No, I don't think so. 
but it's an Australian comedy series and it's a mini series. And I think, I couldn't quite tell, but I think each episode is set with the same family um, over subsequent, like, consecutive Christmases. Yeah. So, like, each episode jumps forward a year and it's set on Christmas Day with that family each year. So, I watched the first episode. It was really good. Kind of very The Castle. Very The Castle in a good way. So, those were, I could totally recommend both of those shows to anyone. Sorry, the Moody Christmas or A Moody Christmas? I think it's called a Mooney Christmas. A Mooney Christmas. Like someone's name? I can't remember. Hmm. And the other show was called uh, Red Fern Now. So, definitely check both of those out, guys. Be able to catch them up on iView or something. SBS On Demand. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And in terms of news, the biggest news to come out from next week that has to be speculated about on every single podcast was that George Lucas sold uh, Lucasfilm for four bill to Disney. Why? Because he wanted four bill. He wants to retire. What do you mean he wants to retire? Didn't he have enough money to retire? Can't really retire on a bill, can we? I guess when you're the sole shareholder, you know, there's a lot of... You can't just shut it down. You'd have to sell it to retire. You can't just not do it anymore, right? Yeah, there's still a lot of responsibility in your part being the owner. Um, Oh, okay. I don't know how these things work. So, you know, he says he's going to give most of it away to education, improving education in America. So, that'd be kind of cool, I guess. Um, But, of course... Disney's already announced the next Star Wars Episode 7 in, coming in 2015. That's pretty they, close. They didn't muck around. Well, um, they had it in the pipeline in the negotiation, right? Yeah. Yeah, I guess it's part of the deal, too, that he let them make it. But I'm, I'm, I'm not afraid of people, other people getting control of the Star Wars license and doing other things of it, but I am really concerned of what will happen in... In you know specifically episode seven, eight, nine. If they give it to just some like if they basically give it to is it Kurtz and Orsi the guys that did Star Trek and Transformers. Um, I mean, for me, I know lots of people are having like absolute nerd fits over it, and I say nerd fits in the nicest possible way because I'm very nerdy. Um, but for, I just don't care. <laughs> Yeah, like it's it's can. like it's like people are going oh my god they're ruining my childhood they're gonna uh, I love it when people say they're going to rape my childhood yeah um, well the most people and are positive sort of, and about it's, it but it's sort of like yeah but the people that I've seen be so negative I'm like but in the last like twenty years what's been great about Star Wars mm. you know apart, like post original trilogy what was so great about it oh, and most people fighter? would probably say you mean the Tie Fighter. The game. The game. Fighter, yeah. Well, yeah, there was that. X-Wing vs. And, you know, there was the, the Clone Wars animated series. But for most of the part, like, people just bemoan the mishandling of this franchise. So, it's like, yeah, chuck it to someone else. Give them a crack. Who knows? Yeah. Get over it, people. And to be honest, I was never that into Star Wars. What well, about you're a big Indiana Jones fan. They also get the rights to that. Yeah, I know. Well, that's what I was really interested in. But what are they going to do? They are going to make another one, are they? Can they? The last one made a fair chunk of money. Wasn't it terrible? I haven't even seen it. Yeah, it was all right. 
I mean, they kind of need to make two more indie films now, Indiana Jones films, because... They need a new trilogy? Yeah. But isn't, like, the only good Indiana Jones the first one anyway? Nah, the second they're both two pretty good. No, no. both pretty The second good. one's not very good, but the third one's awesome. Most people hate the third one the most. Which one's the second one? The second In one's India. Temple of Doom. Ah, uh, that's the cool. worst one. Yeah. With the kid, shortstop, whatever he's called. Oh, he's pretty cool. <laughs> Is he? And not at all offensive. He's not. Well, he speaks with that accent because he's from that country. <laughs> it's not racist. Um, Depends on what you mean by racist, I guess. <laughs> Some guy jumped out of a helicopter in Derby. Just He was on a tourist flight in Derby and just decided, that's it. This is it. And he just jumped out of the helicopter. Yeah, I read that. Do you think I think one day he's going to go, yep, that's it. I'm checking out. I don't know. Um, I it don't do so, that. but it's kind of hard to tell. I wouldn't want to involve other people like that. Yeah, I think that kind well, of... Well, what's yeah. worse, you know, dying sick and old and having constant attention required or just jumping out? Well, and just, like, no, and I'm talking about just, you know, some guys just flying his helicopter having a good day and then you just, like, totally ruin it by killing yourself. I, I if you don't know it, would you still be upset? It's not oh, like you crashed... You don't have the gills of Imagine you crashing a helicopter. You, you were, like, you know... Giving someone a lift and they just, like, jumped out of their car and <laughs> killed themselves. You just feel like, well... Yeah, as long as I didn't cause the accident. You'd be totally fine with it. <laughs> uh, it would be distressing, but it wouldn't... I wouldn't... You know, it'd be one of those things. You know? <laughs> yeah, so it would be I, distressing. Uh, I listened to this fantastic documentary, um, and it was all about train drivers who've had people commit suicide in front of them. Hmm. And it was just, like, harrowing and full-on. Because these people saying how... You know, how they had to take all this time off work and um, how freaked out it was and then how, like, they can't do anything because the train's going so fast, you know? Yeah. And you can't stop a train, yeah. which is why people choose to jump in front of them. But they were like, you know, they slam on the brakes and they're... And, you know, they've slammed on the brakes, but they know because they're professional train drivers that the train's not going to stop in time. Yeah. But they put the brakes on anyway because that's all they can do and they're just like have to watch themselves plow over these people and Mm. how it just, like, totally freaked them out. And then one guy was saying how for, like, 10 years or something, he was fine. He, like, went back to work the next day, drove trains for 10 years, and then just had this, like, complete meltdown and had all these flashbacks about it and had to Mm. quit and retire. And Anyway. Every uh, five years, I have a complete meltdown, and uh, it's due... Right about now. What could happen. Say. It could happen what's, any moment now. What what's the trigger? I don't know. It just just happens, you know. And it's like the the five years between those things, I just don't I don't even underst- I don't even understand how people could be depressed or anything. I just don't get it. Like why don't you just cheer yourself up? But then you just I hit this You mean thing. like you get depressed or you get angry? No, like depressed. Like oh. it's just and not depressed as in just a mood. It feels like an actual physical sickness that you can't help. It's like having a flu and you can't just take a Panadol and make it better. It's Yeah, I mean, I guess that's what depression is. Yeah. But then it'll last about a month and then I'm back to normal for the next five years. I'm, I think I had the first one when I was 10 years old and it's been pretty much every five years... For whatever reason, that's whatever the cycle my brain's in, that it just hits 
a rock of stuff that you've been bottling up or something and oh yeah um you just got to get get over this period and release you know and then you're fine for the next 5 years and so i'm interested to see if i'm due right now because i think last time it hit me was 2007 this time 2007 if you're due do they let you deliver your own depression like are you allowed to pull it out I yourself i don't know uh, is that something people recommend you do these days yeah <laughs> <laughs> People are always doing weird things at childbirth. It's a hot topic. It's, you know, everyone's got their own method and stuff like that. It's a hot topic. Fred, this is why Jacinta doesn't want to go on the podcast. Because you're describing pregnancy as a hot topic. Yeah. <laughs> God, it, this is... Maybe it is me. Maybe it is me. It is you, Fred. You're the cause of everything. Yeah. If Zoe, We if need Zoe Jacinta on to bring us down text to Earth. Beep, beep. Zoe's the one who wanted us to have a girl on the podcast. I think it's only appropriate since we've been promoting females in science that we have a female scientist. Have we been promoting females in science? Yes. Science, it's a girls thing. (laughs) That's our most popular episode. And our downloaded episode, Science is a Girls Thing. Is it? Yeah. Okay. Um, Speaking of science... Uh, there's a really cool article here about they interviewed Elon Musk on Wired about his plans to go to Mars and basically when he sold his business and became a billionaire he was just going to buy a rocket from the Russians um, like an ICBM he actually went to Russia to buy an ICBM but they were going to um, charge him 40 million dollars per rocket and he wanted to buy two one as a backup I guess so that would be 80 million dollars. And by the time he set it up and launched that, he would have spent his entire earnings from selling PayPal and that. So, he talked to some people that he knew and stuff like that and got talking and realized, you know, rockets made by the, you know, the, the old the old industry, like the aerospace industry, are made so expensively they don't use they're basically using the technologies from the 1960s and so if he, he worked out that if he can use today's technology and the latest technology in welding and stuff like that that he can make you know each rocket launch for uh, he uh, apparently he can launch a satellite for seven million dollars now um rather than the 60 million it normally costs so he's cut the cost by a fifth a sixth or something like that um, so, and his ultimate aim is now is obviously taking the long way is to now um, hopefully make enough money launching satellites to actually, you know, be able to send some rockets to the moon. Um, uh, to the Mars, sorry. And, you know, perhaps go there himself. And he hopes to sort of die on Mars, but just not on impact. <laughs> um, so he's going to do it. He's going to go there and... To see what it's yeah, he's about. hoping so. But did you hear about his original idea, Campbell? Um, I started reading the article at work, and I got a bit um, busy. And I, it was pretty amazing, though. Yeah, he, his what he wanted to do basically when he wanted to launch on the ICBM was a greenhouse, which basically yeah, landed right. on Mars yeah. and took a photo of flowers flowering over the desolate landscape of Mars, and just send that back and make it the new try and make it the new image that's as powerful as the blue marble that we got when we went to yeah. the moon. I don't think it would be as powerful. 
Well, it's it's setting a goal it, that well, we have look, to be an interplanet. If we want to continue on and push our knowledge and tell, keep telling our stories for long as possible, we have to become an interplanetary species, you know? Because, yeah, I, I mean, what's the meaning Fred of life? There's nothing really. It's only to just keep telling stories. And that's the only real thing we have is to keep going. And so, you know, some people think that, you know, each human, the, the human race is an organism as itself and... Each of us is just like one cell, and if we want to keep the actual human race going, um, you know, we have to keep doing stuff and defeating the bad, the bad cells, which are like cancer, which are like the people who are trying to mess this world up. And anyway, so I'm totally pumped about that. Yeah, he's one of those pretty cool entrepreneur, cool billionaires. billionaires. We just had a list, cool billionaires. Called millionaires, I guess. Like it was three. There's Larry Ellison. Who's the third? Elon Musk and Richard Branson. Oh, what's Richard Branson doing? Why are you so down on Branson? You could argue that um, we've had this argument Bill before. Bill Gates okay, well. is becoming pretty cool because he's because Branson doesn't. He went to the bottom of the ocean. And he flew around the world in a balloon. And he's mm. trying to create Why an airline that goes so to space. Why are you so down on those two is awesome he? things he did? Virgin Galactic. You're like, oh, he went to the bottom of the ocean. Yeah, what a bitch. Mm. <laughs> like, yeah. Didn't he spine? Both of those things just involve sitting down, right? <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> what do you do? Don't you just sit down at work, Fred? No, I have to and stand up. And lasers? Yeah. I'm sure he had to stand up occasionally when he went. Did he design any of these things? No, but he pays people who do. So he pays people and then he, he employs sits in people, intelligent yeah. people to do cool stuff and not build yeah, nuclear I guess bombs. He's pretty cool. I don't know. It could be cooler though. <laughs> How? You know, he have you heard a story? He made he made his money from nothing, you know. He became rich by producing tubular bells. Have you heard tubular bells? It's no. a concept album, Fred. He turned this just out took this kid. Um, I can't remember who's the artist of Tubular Bells. Took his idea for a, 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 an album, Tubular Bells, and none of the, of course, traditional record companies would fund it at all. Mike Oldfield is the artist. None of them would do it because it's just a concept album. It's you know the entire two-sided record um, as sort of just one musical piece that isn't, you know, that's was so unique to the time. It wasn't trying to be Beethoven. And so he was like, I'm going to release this myself because this is so awesome. And it became super successful. That allowed him to start Virgin Records and everything spurned off from that. He is like, you know, he wasn't born with money. He was just this poor guy with dyslexia and just, you know, had to compensate by being a really good talker and, you know, enthusiastic about things. And it's just... Fine, take um, it back. He makes the list <laughs> only because you're so passionate about him. Anyway, um, God, if you shut up about Branson, I'll let him in the <laughs> yeah, cool club. <laughs> Branson, 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 uh, Branson. There's some other science links here, but we probably have to move on. We're about to finish up. Um, what's the other? Campbell, you were talking. You have in the show notes a sequel to Carl Sagan's Cosmos. Yeah, did you guys know about this? No. I think we might have discussed it before, but please fill it I haven't in. seen the original Cosmos. Okay. So I wouldn't want to ruin the Pontifex, Okay, so Carl Sagan's Cosmos was a groundbreaking documentary series. Had unprecedented funding for a science show. Um, it kind of melded 
uh, all sorts of bits of natural history and human history with science and really complex concepts of, you know, um, things, but lots of imagination. And uh, it was just, like, mind-boggling. Pontifex, you've seen it, haven't you? Yes, but I specifically watched it while experimenting with things, so I don't... I remember it being amazing. (laughs) You can't remember any of the science behind it. Last summer was the fun. Well, I've been watching it recently, and it's mind-blowing. And it's sort of almost invented popular science, I guess, (laughs) in the contemporary way that we talk about popular science documentaries and things like that. Yeah, I seem to remember it it, sort of... of It introduces you to the the idea that we're, you know, that's that he sort of... Interest the idea of like we are just stardust and stuff like that, and we are just yeah. I mean, that's one of the abyss of, of yeah. Opening, uh, I think, in the opening monologue of his, he's like, "We are stardust." Yeah, and so and he, Sagan was an amazing sort of uh, humanist as well. That he was constantly, you know, exploring these amazing high, highly abstract, you know, notions that science can explore, but also bringing them back to a human scale constantly. And um, so he was, yeah, really incredible. And yeah, Carl Sagan was amazing. And he wrote what, one of your favorite films, I guess, Pontifex, Contact? Yes. Although I've so, been, I, I've tried to read the novel and I got so bogged down in that I don't think, I have, I'm still two thirds of the way through it. I don't know if I'll finish it. Yeah. So he wrote, he wrote Contact. Um... Yes, so they're currently... So, Carl Sagan is now dead, but his last living... Well, his last wife, because he had a couple of wives during his time. Not all at once. <laughs> but his last wife is now producing a sequel to Cosmos. And do you know who is taking Carl's role? Better not be Brian Cox. Unfortunately, not Brian Cox. Oh. That would have been my choice. Jacinta Del Hayes. No, that would be Pontifex's choice. I think I I think I've heard that it's Neil deGrasse Tyson. It is Neil. That's a good thing. I haven't seen any of his work, so do you listen to his podcast, right? No. So Neil's producing a sequel. But well, what, one of is my there pro- more information that that I guess there is. Yeah. What has physics found out anything new since the eighties? <laughs> hmm. No, last couple of decades Not have been a write-off. A huge okay. amount. Nothing. We could probably ask Jacinda Hayes, but Fred. She'd have an opinion on that. I'm, I'm totally down on that. There's pretty um, much been no news in physics since about 1960. But one of the Except things. The quantum soul, Fred. What's the oh, that's a bunch of bullshit. One of my favorite things in Carl Sagan's Cosmos is he opens, you know, he has his opening monologue about, you know, the interconnectivity of everything and what we're going to be doing in this show. And we'll be kind of um, exploring universes as small as atoms and atoms as large as universes. And, um, you know, we're going to be engaging our minds and our imaginations and so on and so forth. And he says that um, he invites us everyone on a voyage or on a starship of imagination um, you know, because we're going to be exercising our minds essentially, and it's you know a big act of imagination. And he, um, he, he, the first kind of after that monologue, the opening sequence of the show is set aboard a dandelion starship that he travels through the cosmos in, and he introduces us to you know deep time and um, 
sort of how the galaxies work and stuff. And it's like pure science fiction and amazing and awesome. But Neil deGrasse Tyson was asked about that opening and sort of like, will the dandelion starship make an appearance? And he was like, oh, well, you know, that was one of the things about the show that was really polarizing. And we're not sure how we're going to deal with that yet. And so for me, like him doubting that <laughs> fundamental premise is like, no, you're not the right man for this job. If he if he if he can't see like yeah, but but wasn't that so part of that era though? Like, wasn't it made during the Flower Power era? And it's um, no, I think it was made in the eighties. So it was all what like post Cold War. No, what? What was the eighties? I thought it was made around the same time as Star Wars, but I could be. I don't know. I didn't think so. I guess we could look it up pretty easily. We are both looking it up. Yeah, 1980, so it would have been... It possibly was made right in the start of 1980. Things were maybe a little bit more naive back then, so you could have a dandelion spaceship and hang around in it. Anyway, that concept, that blew my mind. He gets it, you know. Who gets it? What? Sagan. Oh. Dandelion starships, man. But, I mean, we've highlighted before on Fangin' Around, if you... We've put some of the YouTube videos um, of people just taking clips of uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson, you know, speaking, you know, like, if you, there's one, that great speech of him saying, if we just took a, a, a penny from every dollar, tax dollar and put it towards NASA, we could, you know, do amazing things. Um, he, he has that same, like, he's very different to Carl Sagan, but they have that same passionate voice that is... Oh, and it's reaching people. Yeah, yeah. It, and so, that's why people. I feel like he has to do it in his own voice to make it effective. If he just tries to... Yeah, I agree with that. ...do Carl Sagan, but with updated CGI, it's it just bomb, you know. Mm, I see that point. Anyway, and and, and this is the thing. Up. I mean, in, you, this is the thing that people complain about. I mean, the the one argument Star Wars haters have that I will agree with is that um, Han shot first. <laughs> when well, that is that the the one the only crime I see George Lucas ever really committing seriously is that he did not just give those people the original trilogy in high def and just tell him to go away and shut up, you know? Like, if you don't like the the prequels, that's fine, but he could have just given them the original ones and said, hey, go away. I haven't stolen those original films. You can ignore the prequel if you don't like them. Um, and, uh, you know, but he didn't. He was just like, no, when I really release it, it has to be the 1997 versions where he's, you know, adding in crappy CGI and stuff like that and changing who Han shot and um did you ever see there was someone who made a supercut of not a supercut but like recut I think the original no the 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 first three films I've seen a fan cut I've watched a fan cut of the Phantom Menace and they cut out a lot of Jar Jar Binks and Jake Lloyd 
um, which I right. totally agree with. The one thing I didn't like is they cut out the the journey through the center of the earth. That opens it. Yeah, you know where they're going through the ocean? Yeah, yeah. Um, which that some people, cool. people hate that scene, but I, that's part of the mystery of Star Wars, going deep into this world. Um, and I, I thought that was one of... Well, that bit really worked yeah. really well. So, that's it. So, I, I'm totally... The things that I don't like about Phantom Menace are the... the I'm not that fussed about um, Jar Jar Binks. Like, it's not great, but there are characters in the original trilogy that I kind of don't like either. It's the... Um, it's mainly just the Jake Lloyd and that idea that he sort of just accidentally blows up that starship that just lost all kind of... Yeah, that bit was pretty crap. Whoops. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, yeah, that that's was such an unsatisfying ending. Um, but someone made... Yeah, someone recut episodes one, two, three mm. into like a cohesive new film All right. that yeah. told, told that story and apparently it's really cool. Yeah. No, I, I mean, there's good bits... Um, I think it's deeply flawed, but I think what people don't realise was those were the first, like, super CGI films, you know. He started that, you know, before with CGI, it was just touches here and there before those films. And then I would say CGI wasn't perfected until Avatar. Avatar was the first time where the actors could actually... And the director could actually sort of see what they're doing in real time and know what they're doing. Like, it's just as like Star Wars itself was so experimental with experimenting with blue screen and stuff like that, that they're, you know, they're sort of really bad scenes in that, which, you know, there are some really weird scenes, even on the Blu-rays, which I'm like, I don't know why they could have fixed it up on the Blu-ray just with colour grading where the background doesn't match with what's happening in the foreground and, you know, I hate, yeah, you know, and, as I, I always you, talk about, I hate stop motion. So, like, the stop motion monster in Jedi just looks awful and... Um, yeah, it's funny because they fix up certain things and then leave other things. Yeah, yeah. it's With with this massive amount of inconsistency and yeah. it's like, well... Um, it, it does feel like it's just George Lucas fiddling himself at a computer and it's not... He doesn't have a whole team working on it. Um, mm. And maybe it is just one dude at... Lucas starts fixing up, um, but that—that's the reality. Is all, all CGI films from that time were really uh, uh, like really bad. Like you know, the, if you think about the good films that were sort of CGI heavy back then, it was like the Matrix. But the original Matrix was, you know, all those special effects were actually shot on film, and then they compl- You know, they did it in a much more traditional way, even though there was cool things they were experimenting with. But, of course, when The Matrix Reload came on, everyone hated that because they said, oh, let's screw taking lots of photos of stuff. Let's just do it all in the computer, and people hated it. So Yeah, I think the first Matrix felt we, like it had a lot yeah. more CGI than it did. We wouldn't have movies that these people just cremo themselves over like the Star Trek remake if it, if that ex, if George Lucas hadn't gone out and experimented and made mistakes you know um, but I think the big problem is isn't so much the you know uh, technological mistakes it's like the storytelling mistakes he made yeah but most of it's good it's just the acting and the <laughs> and the script and right, but the acting yeah, is because the they're talking to tennis balls 
on a green screen. Oh, if they're a decent and actor, they should be able to get around o- that. They're acting, right? I think, you know, Anakin Skywalker was just badly miscast, you know. Um, yeah, but presumably George Lucas miscast him. I, I think I really like the actual the storyline, you know. If, if I read the treatment for the those Star Wars movies, I would be just like, hell yeah, this is going to be good. It wouldn't... Um, I think it was all good. It was just the actual, like, the chemistry between Natalie Portman and what's-his-name is just terrible, and... Um, Isn't that well within the scope of a director? It's not just CGI and sets. It's You have to get the right actors and get the best out of them. Right, but I, I don't think... Maybe he should have given it, let other people direct it, but he still, I still think George Lucas should have written it. Mm. Yeah, he's a pretty crummy director, but... That he that he created that universe. People should be down on their knees thanking him that they even had a childhood childhood worth raping. You know, <laughs> what's all this long haul flight action? Oh, I, just, I was on a Wikipedia binge. <laughs> um, oh, because yeah, they've Singapore Airlines is cutting some of their really long flights. Um. Which, like, you could fly, like, Singapore to New York direct, um, or Singapore to Los Angeles direct. And they're, like, the two longest flights in the world. And so, they had these A340s, which have, um, which was this aeroplane that sort of Airbus sort of introduced to compete with the 747. Um, but it, it was just a single deck, so it's, it's, like, the longest, until the A380, I think, it was the longest aircraft in the world. Um, well, at least the longest passenger aircraft in the world. And uh, because of these, that was designed for these super long flights, uh, the Singapore versions of the A340 had to actually be designed with morgues on board in case, um, you know, someone died on a flight because quite often Shut on shorter up. flights, they would just, you would just cover up the dead person, just leave him, leave them in the seat. And, but you don't want, if it happens, if that happens on a other flights, you don't want to have them sitting there rotting for ten hours. You know, if it's in a, on an eighteen-hour flight, um, so they've actually got morgues on board. How are you guys as flyers? I'm an excellent. When you flyer. hop into an airplane, how do you feel? I get super excited. I'm giddy. That's how I describe myself. No. Oh. Usually because I'm going, I'm going somewhere interesting. Nah. What about when you coming back? Sleepy, probably. Just sleep. Have you guys ever flown into Adelaide? I have. No. I don't remember. Did they clap when they landed? No. What? Happened to me last time I flew into Adelaide. Thought it might just be an Adelaide thing. All oh, right. You know, it's like at the end of the flight. Was it a bumpy flight? I know they usually clap on end of. I know. I think it's an American thing, isn't it? Is it? Can we be uh, flown in America? Oh, I can't remember. It's it's a big Hispanic thing, I think. Oh, really? Okay. Is it? The A330 actually hasn't had any um, fatal accidents, right? The The biggest accident happened when it's claimed the A3 Flight 358 um, from Paris to Toronto actually crashed, pretty much, but everyone survived, and it's... Um, it's The event was called the Miracle of Runway 24L. Um... They make a Christmas film out of it? Well, probably. Um, 
But, uh, you know, people actually got to use those slides and they worked. And people survived before they got out before the plane blew up. Apparently my granddad invented those slides or is involved in their... Wow, Fred. Their uh, construction. Name dropping. Your granddad. Yep. I'm going to drop names. Where, where, where did my you do that? Name. My own name. Like for British Aerospace. For Dunlop. Whenever they were made. I don't know. Work? This is like one of those family stories. We worked at Dunlop. In England? Yeah. Like cool. rubber. Rubber sort of things. Did he invent the condom? <laughs> I don't think Dunlop invented the condom. Oh, he didn't rubber. invent the, the Dunlop volley. He didn't. And uh, the other big A3 or A340 crash was a brand new aircraft just rolled off the the factory and just basically just rolled into a. Oh, what it rolled out of the factory and no, no, crashed. they were they were taxing it out off of the end of the conveyor. They were taxing <laughs> out of the factory and the the pilot forgot to put the brake on and just drove into the terminal and just. Smashed. Oh my god! <laughs> um, did he get fired? Probably. Um, but if you that see would be the so um, embarrassing, <laughs> yeah. Because it's, you know, a $60 million aircraft and it's, you know, it was just destroyed brand new. It was an Etihad. And if you go to the Airbus, I'll put it in the show notes, but if you go to the Airbus accident incidents page, A340. I saw the photo of that one. Yeah, you'll see it crashed. Um, but that's about all. Oh, I have one question of, um, my question of the week would be, what album would you want to have played at your farewell from this world? I don't know. I know what your dad wants, have you guys, Fred. Have you guys planned your funerals yet? Have you done that thing? No. Mr. Mr. Baines made me promise that I'd play the laughing policeman as he was lowered into the ground. Actually, it needs to be played three times. Was it? Mm. While he's being laid know. down or different points at the ceremony? I don't know. He, he made me is promise. Is it in his will? I'm not going to talk about it. <laughs> What, you're embarrassed? No, I just... Uh, I don't know. It's private. <laughs> <laughs> Why did he tell us? We told Campbell at some point. Let me guess, Campbell. Oh, I was this there is, when he told him. I was late this. at night, I assume. Hmm. I think there was jug of gin involved. <laughs> yeah, so that's why I'm not going to go into it. I don't know which album. Does it have to be the whole album? I don't know. It's just an idea for a question. I, I was thinking uh, I want... For the ceremony where it has to be sad and everything. What I do want, you want Tea for the Tillerman by Cat Stevens. Or Yusuf, whatever. Oh, Just yeah. remember that. It's historical now. Put is it on record. Is that Come happy? back to this episode. It's well, I guess I like it because I it is sort of sad. But I I get happy. Sad music makes me happy because I you know sympathize with Um but like the, at the at the ceremony if you want to dance, I was thinking like Praise You by Fatboy Slim. I don't know if people are going to dance at your funeral. It's usually a sign of disrespect. Well, I'm giving permission now to organise a dance, and that's what he would have I wanted. Think it'd be, I think it would be disrespectful not to dance. Yeah. I don't know and so, yes, we say, this is what he would have wanted. Yeah. Dancing. Like the laughing policeman. Dancing. Um, I'm, I don't know. I'm quite partial to, to young MC Buster Move. <laughs> Done. I don't know, uh, maybe Graceland, Paul Simon's Graceland. Yeah, I was listening to that today, in fact. Whack it on. Fred? Beastie Boys, Science for Any Occasion. <laughs> no. Super Tramp, Breakfast in America. Maybe. Long Way Home. 
I would like Crime that. of the century. Put that on there. I don't know. Burn that and you it. pop out of the coffin. <laughs> Crime. Thriller, <laughs> maybe? <laughs> yeah. Take a look at my girlfriend. Uh, you, Campbell, want to ask, how would you break bad? Yeah, this was my question. Um, in Breaking Bad, obviously, the character racks up enormous debt mm. and, well, sort of racks up enormous debt. He's got bills to pay and he breaks bad and cooks meth because he's a chem teacher. Um, if you guys had to break bad, what would you do? Do I have to utilize my... I did it just yesterday. Oh, what? Did you do? what? Um, this... I, someone... I found like a, a purse like 10 years ago. Um, and it had no name on it, but I just kept in case someone would come find it. It had $40 with it in it. And so, I've kept it for 10 years, haven't touched it because I felt guilty. By the day, I was like, I'm desperate for money. <gasps> was it accruing interest that whole time? <laughs> no, I didn't put it in the bank or anything. Oh, James. Sitting in my drawer. You sold the purse? No, I'm just cashing the money in. That's- Buy some lottery tickets for tomorrow for the $100 million draw. Chuck it all on the Melbourne Cup. <laughs> Double no, your money. I'm gonna buy some food or something. Nah, food's for losers. Put it on the Melbourne Cup. Put it on black. Nah, yeah. tomorrow's like the betting nation's favourite day. Hundred million dollar Oslo jackpot and the Melbourne Cup. Wow, it's gonna get go off. You get a holiday. I reckon one person's gonna win all of it. <laughs> yeah, one person will take it all away. They should have announced it tonight. The lottery draw, so he could whoever won could put hundred million dollars on the horses. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Fred? How would I break bad? Or have yeah. I broken bad? No, how would you? Do I have to use my sort of skills? I don't think so. I think would just, you, cook you know, what sort of crime do you think you'd get into? Uh, cyber crime? I don't know. <laughs> like ASL? Bashing people. <laughs> I don't really have any particularly <laughs> criminal, like, tendencies, so. I don't know. Stealing things, horticulture, shoplifting. Because, because for a while there, you were getting into a bit of yeah horticultural action. I think the profit margin's too low. But yeah, out the York, set up a big grow house. <sighs> no, I don't know. Property development. What you there's not really friend. any way like in chemistry you can kind of go bad and get into drugs but pimp in physics Zoe. there's no really oh, that stuff James <laughs> I don't know maybe I already have maybe I already have Ooh. I haven't I'd probably rob <laughs> you guys that'd be the easiest thing do you just steal stuff from uni and then equipment and then yeah. just eBay it yeah then... probably that'd be easiest but it's all really specialised so it'd be so obvious you have to come up with the perfect plan for it. I need a... I need a... Yeah. Well, apparently, my supervisor was looking into buying a fibre splice, which is like this really, really technical piece of equipment. And he went on eBay and he looked it all up and the people were showing, showing him photos and they had serial numbers and all this sort of stuff. And he just got a funny vibe from it. And this thing's worth about 60 grand. Whoa. And he was communicating with them and he was really close to buying it. And then he thought he'd look around some other places and he saw the exact same photos on some other website. So someone was actually going to try and scam him 
for this really like technical piece of scientific equipment for sixty thousand dollars. So Whoa. people do do it. And I guess if you're you're a scientist and you need to buy this equipment and you buy it off eBay, you might be too embarrassed to turn around to whoever gave you the money and say, actually. <laughs> I got totally ripped off by some dude so I was trying to buy it on eBay wow. so I guess it does happen I could do that sell fake equipment on eBay yeah. Yeah. I'd probably go to North Korea and just say I know physics can I join your missile program apparently they only oh. let 1,000 <laughs> tourists in a year I would to North Korea to go on a waiting list or something to get in Maybe it's just 1,000. Because they have to have a um, chaperone the whole time, so maybe there's a limited number of chaperones. Yeah. Would you ever consider going? I'd love to go. Just to see it. Check it all out. Oh, I'm calling Barnett's on Q&A tonight. I'm missing it. Mm. I don't really like... I've never watched a single five, not even a minute of Q&A. Freak, really? Get into it. Tweet. Quanda. I don't, don't want to hear these people's opinions. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that about that's about wraps it up. Thanks for tuning in. Adios.